Yo, yo, what it is? Welcome to Elders Podcast. I am your noble co-host, record <laughs> listener extraordinaire, Andy. I'm here with my good friends and uh, counterparts, Mr. The Dude. The Dude? Dudeson. Mr. The Dude, yeah. Dude Dudeson. Thank you, Andy. <laughs> and welcome back to everybody um, here that's visiting us at the Album Nerds Podcast. It's been a while, and uh, it's been a long road. We've had some some crazy <laughs> stuff go on in between, and we're so happy to be back. Being album nerds, being dudes that love talking about music and uh, having conversations with each other, we share those with the rest of the world, and every couple of weeks we put together some album recommendations, some new stuff, some of our old favorites, and... Uh, Try and keep the world alive with music. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Not an easy job, but uh, we got uh, we got six records here today that we think can do just that. Got uh, four new releases and then two from uh, back in our collections that we so lovingly call the Old Dogs. On uh, this episode, actually, we're featuring some of our top records from the past decade in the Old Dog section here. Mm-hmm. So excited to dig into this, but before we do that, let's talk about some of these uh, new records. All right, so we got to prove it. We got to prove these are the best around. So let's talk about the new album from Marcus King. It's called El Dorado. The song is Beautiful Stranger. So that was Marcus King from the album El Dorado. Came out in January 2020. The song was Beautiful Stranger. Um, Marcus King is 23 years old, singer-songwriter, has put out several records with his band, the Marcus King Band, we've talked about before. They're a little uh, more Southern Rocky, I guess you would say. This is more soulful. I mean, and there's a lot of blues in all of his music, but this is his first solo foray. And, uh, I really, I've really enjoyed it. That song, beautiful strangers about meeting someone in a bar and thinking about who they might be and all that kind of stuff, you know, kind of normal people stuff. And this is uh, produced by Dan Auerbach of, uh, the black keys. He's been doing a lot of production lately. Andy, we can attest to that. Yola from last year. Yeah. One of my favorite records from last year from, from Mr. Auerbach. So, yeah, he's doing good work. Yeah, he's kind of the go-to dude right now. The you know, as Dave Cobb, which we, I love saying his name, <laughs> has been with all these artists, you know, Rival Sons and Stapleton and so on and so forth. Uh, Auerbach's kind of that guy right now. But this album is soulful. The the his vocals are very unique, and it's just like uh, as we're coming to spring. I think this is going to be a nice warm weather album. What do you think, man? Yeah, I thought this was a pretty solid entry from him. This is like, what, his third release to date, I believe. 
talked about some of his other ones on the show. I, I think my biggest qualm with this record, which is pretty minor, is kind of the middle of the record, which Beautiful Stranger is kind of a part of. Things get a little bit loose, a little bit mellow, maybe even languid would be a good word to describe it, compared to the beginning and the end of the records, which are much more up-tempo, a little more of that R&B, a little bit, um, a little bit more catchy, I guess. Yeah. Um, so I kind of prefer those parts of yeah. the record a little bit more, but... You know, it's, it's just a really good record. It opens really stripped down and then jumps the second song uh, called The Well. Yeah. This one, I'm just going to play a tiny second of it because this is how I knew Dan Auerbach was producing this. Just listen, everyone. Now, that is Whoa. that is something that I've... No, not Yola, but on other records that the Black Keys guys have produced, I've noticed... They like to go to their go-to signature sound, which is good. I mean, it's cer- certainly enjoyable. It's uncanny. It is a calling card. Come on. But that's the only song on there that had that kind of flavor, and it's a great song. It's a fun song. Yeah. You know, it rocks, but you know, it's definitely there's there's just that one <laughs> where it's like you know. You know where it came from. But anyway, it's a really fun album. I hope you all go check it out and check out all of Marcus King's stuff. I mean, this is a kid that grew up playing the blues. He's an amazing blues guitarist, very talented, unique dude. So go check out Marcus King, El Dorado. Yeah. If you're a fan of Black Keys, I think you would dig him. He's like a Southern Black Keys. sort of. <laughs> all right. So for my first pick here... Uh, we're going to be talking about a hip-hop record that came out in January of 2020, talking about the posthumous release from Mac Miller, and the album is entitled Circles. We are going to play a cut from the middle of the record here. This is called Everybody. So that's a little snippet of Everybody from the album Circles by Mac Miller. So as many know, he passed away um, in 2018 from a drug overdose. Unfortunately, he was, I feel like he was just really hitting his stride in terms of his musical career at that point. He had just put out the record uh, Swimming, which I was a big fan of. Um, I really thought he kind of discovered his sound on that record. And this record, um, Circles, is kind of a continuation of that kind of exploration into like a, a lo-fi, like sort of indie, I guess it's rap, but it's, it's, he has like that weird, like kind of half singing sort of cadence to his voice or like we heard in on everybody. So producer John Bryan, who most notably worked on Fiona Apple's records, he kind of stepped in and helped kind of flesh out the rest of these songs. I guess Mac had him mostly to a good place before he passed away, but John just kind of stepped in and helped kind of push him over the finish line there. And I really think this record stands out as being maybe his best to date. It's it's right up there with Swimming, if you appreciated that record. I think you'll like this one. It's, it's kind of a new sound, or a newer sound in hip-hop, and uh, yeah, I think it's pretty, pretty cool. What do you think, man? I would love it if more hip-hop, which is kind of the predominant popular 
genre right now have more went in this direction because I think this blend where you get a little indie rock or what we used to call college rock or college music back in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. The lo-fi sound. Yeah, getting, you know, some instrumentation and some kind of uh, where it feels a little more inclusive, at least for someone like me that prefers something that's more musical and not necessarily just a hip-hop album that's just rap in every song. I like a little variety. I think this this is a good direction. Now, this, this fella, not so familiar with him, had heard the name, uh, knew he was a hip-hop guy, mm-hmm. but uh, this is my first time listening to him, so I may have to go back and, and listen for the evolution of this, but it's very cool, pretty interesting stuff, and uh, even an old grump like me can find <laughs> <laughs> finds a value here. So, Yeah, it's cool. It's cool to hear somebody to kind of do something. Maybe it's not right down the main lane of hip-hop, but in kind of its own little separate well, look what happened with, with mainstream rock, and then the yeah, whole exactly. rock alternative thing off. happened, and yeah, and then that got mass produced and turned into a you know <laughs> cash grab. But you know that's that's just what happens. Something becomes yeah. is new, becomes popular. A bunch of other people do it, and the record labels take as much bank as they can. Which this digital age has changed that a lot. A lot of people can release whatever they want without record labels involvement. So. Cool. Thanks, man. Good one. Yeah, we're up. Once again, that was uh, Circles by Mac Miller. All right. So changing lanes here. It's about to get a little more raucous up here in the Album oh Podcast. This is Sepultura. The album is Quadra. The track is Isolation. Okay. Whoa. <laughs> All right, everybody. That was Sepultura from the February 2020 album Quadra. The song was Isolation. Uh, Sepultura has been around since 1984. Heavy metal band, thrashy, got some groove metal elements. And one of the cool, fun things here is these are still very creative dudes. There's a concept album, and the concept behind the album is numerology. This album is divided into four sections. That's why it's called Quadra. Twelve tracks are separated into four groups of three, and the style in each is slightly different. Andy, did you pick up on uh, change of pace throughout the album? Yeah, definitely. It's pretty noticeable to hear the style changes as you're going through it. But I did confess I did kind of cheat and read about it online, so I kind of knew. This is like kind of like a callback to the different eras of their career, right? These different evolutions of their sound yeah some of it i mean the uh first section is pure thrash which is where their roots are the second section embraces like the stylization efforts things that uh, were a little more progish i guess a little more progressive like roots which uh Mm -hmm. had a lot of references i believe to their uh heritage brazilian heritage the third takes inspiration from the song Ice 
Berg Dances, which was off of their last album, Machine Messiah. And the fourth part is a little more uh, slow melodic stuff with uh, some additional vocalists and uh, a little more lush sounding, still heavy. Yeah, no, it's, it rocks all the way through. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's enough similarities where it, it feels like one record, even though the styles are different. They are very ni- neatly interwoven. And for a band that's been around so long, to go to this kind of effort, I just think it's it's awesome. And to have a concept here at the Album Nerds Podcast, Woo-hoo. we dig that. We dig concept albums and artists putting that kind of thought. That's the point of listening to whole records. You know, you get you get yeah. that experience. So get the get the full picture. Yeah, man, I, I really dig this. I uh, recommend if you love metal. I'm sure you, most of you've heard of Sepultura. If not, go back listen to some of their classic stuff. Uh, the one I first got into a little bit was 1993's Chaos AD, but they have albums prior to that as well, and uh, it's a good listen. So check out Sepultura Quadra. Word up, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I collect it too, actually. I don't know if you care about my opinion on this record, but uh, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. We all we all care very deeply, Andy. <laughs> what else? All right. For my second new release recommendation, we're going to get a little jazzy. Jazzy. Thank you. <laughs> Talking about the London-based jazz ensemble Nira and their 2019 release Bloom. We are going to play a cut from the middle of that record. This is entitled EU Emotionally Unavailable. So that was EU off the album Bloom by the London-based jazz ensemble Nira. It was not EU, right? EU. EU. It's EU. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Because that would not be smart marketing. I just... All right. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's not not that. All right. So Nira is a kind of a jazz supergroup. All the artists in the band here, I believe, have their own solo projects, but they come together to form this superpower Nira. And this is their debut record, and it's gotten very well received in the jazz community. I also have enjoyed it quite a bit over the last few months. What kind of makes them stand out besides just being awesome musicians is that the group is largely comprised of women, with the exception of the bassist. They employ a wide range of jazz styles. Um, some of my favorites, including the kind of that 60s hard bop style that we've talked about on many past Album Nerds episodes, as well as more like modern Afrobeat sound. Uh, there is some soloing, but they're often pretty short and to the points, and they really get back into kind of with playing with this great group dynamic that I think really makes them stand out. What makes them unique is kind of the blending together of all these different time periods of jazz. Um, to create that. So, uh, man, this record really has stuck with me quite a bit since it came out in August. What did you think, man? I know uh, you like to get jazzy from time to time. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I rarely dislike jazz. I just, I don't play it enough in my life. And I'm not, I still 
can't figure out why. I don't understand why because I love this album. I thought it was excellent. I thought the playing was great. I loved the throwback sound, but it also sounded modern, which is hard to do with jazz because jazz is considered old music yeah. and old medium, yeah, you know, old genre. Old. I thought it was really good. I mean, so why I continue to not regularly listen to jazz is a mystery. So keep bringing these to the show and maybe someday I'll get it into my head. But yeah, this yeah, is a very nice record. Very nice. Nice, nice. Well, I'll keep sneaking them in there. All right. So that was, uh, that was Bloom by the group Nira. Give it a listen if you're, uh, if you're jazz curious. Oh, yeah. That, that's a t-shirt. I don't know if it is a t-shirt and Andy, you got to get it done before one of our listeners does it. Hashtag jazz curious. I think you could, I think you could make some dope. It's not already out there. Let's get it done. Let's Let's get it done. You're a graphic designer. Get it done, bro. Sure. Sure. Let's uh, let's bring those puppy dogs in here. Old dogs. All right, folks. My old dog isn't so old but old enough to be an old dog. We, as Andy mentioned at the top of the show, we are going back and trying to hit some of our favorite records from the last uh, decade, 2010s. So this one's from 2015. The artist is Chris Stapleton. The album is Traveler, and the track is Nobody to Blame. All right, so that was Chris Stapleton from the 2015 album Traveler. The song was Nobody to Blame. You know, Chris Stapleton. I think most people know <laughs> who this guy is, right? Yeah, say more than I that. I mean, that's my t-shirt because Chris Stapleton. I think well, that could be him. Uh, American singer-songwriter born in Lexington, Kentucky, has been involved in uh, music since 2001 when he moved to Nashville, wrote songs, over 170 songs as a co-writer for other artists over the years, was in other groups, including uh, the Steel Drivers and the Johnson Brothers, previous to his solo career. But I'll tell you, Andy, there's something special about this record. And I can't say that it is the best album of the last 10 years, but it definitely was one of the most impactful for me personally. Oh, yeah? Do you have a, a story you'd like to recount? Well, I mean, it's not really, a, I mean, it's not much of a story. I was, I live in the Midwest in a small town area. Most of the radio stations are country stations. So you can't escape but hear stuff once in a while. Normally, I had no, not much interest. I liked Willie Nelson and Waylon Jennings and old stuff, but partially because it's kitschy and cool and, yeah. but modern country wasn't, really something I gave much of a chance to. And I heard that song, Nobody to Blame, on country radio and just loved the voice, loved the twanginess, but it wasn't overwhelmingly so. It sounded cool and the the self-awareness in the lyrics, the tongue-in-cheek, 
you know, she threw me out, put everything in the yard and changed the locks, <laughs> took away my fishing rods. And now my life's yeah. just this country song. I was like, that is clever. That's awesome. I looked him up and bought the record immediately. <laughs> and it opened up a whole new world of artists. Um, Dave Cobb again, since he produced this record, I recognized oh. his name from the rival sons and that led me to Sturgill Simpson and t uh, Tyler Childers and Culture Wall and uh, a whole slew of country artists that are out there that make kick-ass country music that isn't bro country. And I just love it. What do you think about this, man? Yeah, well, I do. I do like it. Um, for a debut record, I think it's it's amazingly cohesive and he brings a, a real confidence to the album that you wouldn't expect on somebody who's kind of newer to the landscape at this point. I think we should mention that he had has written a lot of songs before this that were Yeah, yeah. you know, made popular, sung by others. I think the number is like crazy, right? You were yeah, saying it was, it was like over 100 or something. 170, yeah. Nuts. So yeah, you can really hear like he has he's experienced. He knows what he's doing. Yep. Even though it's his debut record. It's timing was right too, you know. Yeah, right, in terms of the the music industry and where it's at and you know Nashville is really becoming a big thing but yeah you know this this record is kind of has a real ease to it that i think is great i agree even, even the cover songs or you know everything sounds like it makes sense and fits together yeah i mean your your comment of confidence i had not thought of that before you said it but it is absolutely true and that is part of the there's a swagger to it but not like a wink and a finger guns type of swagger more of like <laughs> right. legit yeah. I've got this, and that's part of what... Like, this is, this yeah. is how we do it. Yeah, that's great. So anyway, I'm sure most of you know it, but if you only know some of the songs, just go listen to the whole record. It is enjoyable from beginning to end. Chris Stapleton, Traveler. Weird up, yeah. It's a good place to kind of jump on if you're thinking about getting into country music, for sure. All right, so for my old dog pick... Going back to one of the more, I guess, influential records in the 2010s for me, talking about a 2014 record from D'Angelo by the title Black Messiah. We are going to play a cut from the beginning of that record. This is The Charade. That is The Charade off of Black Messiah by D'Angelo. Well, I think if, if anybody knows anything about my musical taste, that is, that I absolutely adore this record. I was <laughs> really, really floored by it when it came out oh, six years ago. Historically, not wasn't really a big D'Angelo fan. I think we were talking about this earlier, man, where it's, you know, at the time, or in the 2000s, D'Angelo was kind of looked on as like, at least as an outsider, he looked at as more as like a... Cheesecake, like, beefcake sort of dude. <laughs> Beef, yeah, beefcake. No, yeah. Definitely not eating too much cheesecake. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> but he's more of like a sex object, I guess. Well, he kind had of a sultry, well, like yeah. soul type. He had really good voice all along, but there was that one video for that song off yeah. of Voodoo, I think was the name of the record. and uh, Exactly. Yep. It kind of painted him in that light. Yeah. 
if you didn't give it a chance, and I never really did. No, I honestly didn't either. But then this record came along. Holy cow, just blew me out of my socks here. Voodoo is good, too. If, if yeah, you, no, you going back, Voodoo is great. Yeah, no, no comments with that record. Um, but this record, it really combines like everything I love about like that 70s sound of like funk, jazz, soul, and even some elements of hip-hop in here. Just blended seamlessly together. Kind of like we were talking about with that Nira record earlier, where you're kind of combining a lot of the history of the genres or tangentially related genres together. Mm-hmm. Sounds amazing. Um, and he's dealing with like important things on this record here in terms of like social unrest. Uh, reminds me a lot of that record we talked about on the show in the past from Sly and the Family Stone. There's a riot going on. Yep. A lot of similar sounds here. A lot of similar like urgency in terms of the messaging. Man, if you have not heard this record before, give it a chance. I think it'll definitely get under your skin. And it's one that, going back for me, like six years later, man, this record still puts a smile on my face every time I hear it. What do you think, man? I think it it could be one of those records that future generations still go back to, much like we go back to Sly and the Family Stone and uh, right. you know uh, George Clinton stuff, Parliament Funkadelic, and Soul of the '70s, and we look back to those things. And someday someone's going to make a record that is influenced by this one. Right, right. People will be sampling yep. Black Messiah in 20 years, I'm sure. Yeah, not to mention there's a, there's a slew of great musicians on there playing alongside D'Angelo, the uh, the whole Vanguard group there. Uh, really top notch. Sounds great, and man. Classic record. Classic record. Very nice. All right. So, so yeah. That, uh, that do it for us. Our old dogs, not so old dogs this time, but <laughs> I think uh, very records are going to stand the test of time, and, and uh, that's part of what we're trying to do, remind you guys about the stuff that uh, came before. So, you know, tell us what you're listening to. That's what we really want to know. What are you listening to? Why don't you just... Email us, podcast at albumnerds.com. Tell us what albums we should be checking out as well. Yeah, that's right. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Uh, if you want to do some big solid, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or just like a five-star rating would be awesome. It takes like two seconds. And we'll do this show a big favor. Yeah, and follow us over on the Instagram and the Twitter. We're at Album Nerds. Yeah. We'll chat with you, do whatever. We're trying to up our Insta, as the kids call it, game. The Insta game. The Gram. Yeah. And uh, try and get a little more activity going up on there and uh, grow this community. So please check us out there. All right. We'll be back in two weeks. Two weeks? Yes, two weeks. Two weeks. With uh, a half dozen more album recommendations for you. Be sure to subscribe and we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you so much for coming back and listening to the Album Nerds Podcast. Love y'all. Peace. See ya.